Hello, true believers, and welcome to the latest episode of A Marvelous Escape. The show here at The Escape is taking a look at the weekly Disney Plus Marvel streaming shows. We're continuing our look at Loki with a look at the second episode, The Variant. And we have three hosts here joining us from three different time zones, so we have our own Time Variance Authority. I'm Darren Mooney. I'm Casey Wosu. And I'm Amy Campbell. Perfect, and that was a long run-up to get to an easy landing. So we're going to talk about the the variant here, the second episode. So what are our kind of initial thoughts coming out of it? And, you know, I'm going to open first and I'm going to continue with my, I'm mixed, broadly speaking. A lot of the problems that I had last week are still there in that it feels very handholdy. It feels like it's taking a very long road to get to really interesting ideas. It has lots of high concepts that I love, but it doesn't seem to trust them enough to kind of follow through on them. Um, but again, I continue to like Hiddleston. I know that it's an unpopular opinion, at least in one section or one third of this podcast, but I continue to like Wilson as well. Um, and I think that like this is the closing of the second of six episodes. We are exiting the first act. So I'm kind of hoping that things will ramp up. But what about you guys? So, Casey, what did you make of, of the variant? Uh, well, first off, I, I want to recognize that Owen Wilson is doing his part in that he... <laughs> <laughs> he bounces off of Tom Hiddleston's Loki very well. Like, I like their back and forth banter. It works for me a lot more than um, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie did when they were kind of left alone to their own devices. <laughs> but I will say, Owen Wilson with anybody else on the cast doesn't work. <laughs> especially <laughs> especially with um, the judge, what is her name? Renova Slayer, I think. Yes, Gugu Amabatha Raw, uh, Ravenoa Renslayer. Revanoa Renslayer. Revona okay. yeah. Renslayer, sorry. Yeah, she, I, 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 he makes me feel uncomfortable when he talks to her. Like she's like, <laughs> talk, she's talking about like business and work and stuff. And he just will not stop flirting with her. And I can't tell if she's just so used to it that she shrugs it off or she actually like kind of likes I, it in a way. But either way, I want him to stop. It, it, is he flirting with her? It feels like it's the same charm technique that he used with Loki last week. Now, I don't want to jump on anybody. I'm not going to like sink any ships here. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, he wasn't flirting with Loki last week or Loki flirting, <laughs> if you will. Uh, but I do think that like that's just the Owen Wilson charm offensive. It's like, hey, look at me. Yeah, I'm and, goofy. And I'm that's, amicable. That's the part of him I don't like. Like it's never worked on me. <laughs> and like it, it actively pushes me away whenever he tries to do it to anybody else so like that i'm still firmly in the dislike owen wilson camp there but in terms of the actual episode um i'm also a little less uh into it than the first one and I, this is going to sound like a mm. reversal of like kind of a lot of the criticisms i had of some of the earlier shows is that the second episode seemed more plot focused um it wasn't doing as much world building and uh you know world establishing or whatnot and for whatever reason I absolutely love that in the first episode. Like, I really just want more TVA hijinks. Loki is very secondary right now. <laughs> and this episode allowed Loki to have a lot more screen time, which I'm fine with. Like, Tom Hiddleston is great. But the thing that I really want out of this right now is more TVA shenanigans. And, like, this was kind of Loki poking around and learning more about Loki and Loki, Loki. Like, it's Loki's show. I understand that. But honestly, I want more TVA action. 
And this uh, was a little less than the last episode. So you're saying he felt like a bit of a passenger. He felt like a bit of a Loki Lou, if you will, as it were. Um, <laughs> a so, a uh, Loki Lou. I like that a lot. <laughs> sorry, I apologize. But like, I think actually you raised something interesting there, which is like, again, this is the first act. We're still in a time travel show. There's mm. a lot of stuff here that feels like it's pay attention to this because it will become important later on in terms of like setup and payoff. So you have that conversation early on where Loki's talking to them about his use of powers and how duplication and like uh, projection are different things. And that feels like the show is kind of cluing you in that maybe possession or enchantment, if you will, is not part of Loki's power set or whatever. So when that comes up later, we should maybe pay attention to that. You get the conversation about the jet ski. It's like, hey, I noticed you have a jet ski magazine. Have you ever been on a jet ski? It's like, no, I don't get to be on a jet ski and you're like i know that by the end of episode six owen wilson will somehow be on a jet ski when we get towards the end of it and you have again all of this stuff where it feels like the the show is giving you little nuggets that it will pay off down the line even throwaway lines like you know the the recurrence of you do like to hear yourself talk or loki saying i would never treat myself this way it all feels like a lot of this stuff is kind of like setting up dominoes to kind of fall down down the line so I i can understand that but amy what about yourself what are your kind of like takeaways your first big takeaways from the variant my first big takeaway is not something i would have expected but i'll take it i rarely tweet and earlier this week i i tweeted about how i can be sold on anything if the song holding out for a hero is used <laughs> and the second i heard that i'm like i'm in this show's gonna be great literally looked straight at my partner and i was like i'm all in let's go we should note by the way the third major property and the second major Marvel property this week to use holding out for a hero. Netflix's He-Man used like the kind of like trademark David Fincher slow down version of an 80s power ballad. And then like, obviously it was Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game, their yeah, advertisement yeah. used it. And then like this week you get it here in the variant. And I know that obviously like there's no way the Guardians guys were talking to the Loki guys, but it does feel like maybe you could hold back on holding out there just for a second. I feel like you're not holding out long enough. You're just giving me the hero straight away. <laughs> like, I, I didn't see it before, but it's basically this generation's new bad to the bone <laughs> where it just plays infinitely in an infinite number of movies. But, to be fair, it's not as bad as with Cruella, where like at the end they play the song Sympathy for the Devil to let you know that you should have sympathy for the <laughs> devil, if you will. Um, and I'm kind of like, I, I didn't admi- pick up on that one. It's also, was it, it's uh, like Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead plays the song when they Zombie. Play zombie yeah, right. Right. And part of me is like, <laughs> part of me is like, I'm a little bit enraged at this. This is like, this is low, the lowest hanging fruit. But part of me is also like, it's a good song and I'll take yeah, it. I like the sorry. song. I'll, sorry, Amy. I'm fine listening to it. Sorry to cut you off, baby. <laughs> anyway, so that was like my initial thought was honestly, I, I can literally be sold on anything. And, and clearly that actually did set up my mentality for the rest of the episode because I really liked it. I, as you mentioned, Casey, I really like the way the banter feels between Owen Wilson's Mobius and Tom Hiddleston's Loki. I just think there's something really nice and cheeky and jovial about it that's that's just really fun to watch uh I felt like okay one thing that I found a little bit annoying and this has little to do with the show more about the fact that people just can't hold themselves in obviously this show literally says episode two in the title you can almost guarantee we're going to talk about the big thing that happened right at the end end, that Mm -hmm. that we all called literally the second I woke up like 
one of my suggested news articles was like, I'm assuming I can say it, if not spoilers, literally it was like, hashtag female Loki, internet's going wild. I'm like, so for anyone that didn't watch that in the last seven hours, like sucks to be you. Um, If you weren't expecting it. Um, We we should also recommend that listeners, if you haven't already started watching the show before listening to the podcast and the discussion of it, you should probably watch the show before we discuss the episodes. Um, Yeah, that would just make sense. Sorry. But yes. Yes, Amy. No, that's all good. So that kind of coming to a head where it did. I, I very much liked the way the episode ended and that to me it kind of excited me because one thing we talked about in last week we're really unsure of was are they just going to make it like he's the redeemed Loki? What? Why don't we just get the dick Loki? And I feel like we may still get sprinkles of him becoming the better kind of person with the setups of lines. Like not everyone's all, not every bad person is all bad and not every good person is all good. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And I love any story that does that kind of thing well, but I, I do feel like the way that episode ended could potentially give us him getting to go a little more out there and give us a little bit more of what we'd kind of predicted or anticipated in the predictions episode. And I'm excited to see if they do go there with it. Like that particular ending, it got me excited to see, you know, maybe we're going to get a bit more of a bumhole out of him. I don't know. That was a weird <laughs> phrase to say, but... Somewhere, Tumblr is just getting very excited with that kind of description (laughs) of what the future holds for Tom Hiddleston on Loki. Um, What I will say, actually, like before we talk about like the final reveal, because I I have some thoughts about that, just to bring it back to the like Owen Wilson, Tom Hiddleston playing off one another. One of the things I really, really like about the the duo um, is the fact that they seem to be presenting Mobius as like a low key Loki, as it were, where like he's he's a cop who doesn't play entirely by the rules. He has this big speech about how he believes in the TV how he believes in purpose how he thinks that everybody has their role how he he believes in the timekeepers but you get this recurring motif with him where he's a little bit off the books he's a little bit Mm. mischievous he's a little bit cheeky so he puts down the glass without a coaster for example or he keeps talking about how he has faith in Loki or you know he talks about how like he apart from Loki is the only person who believes in Loki and I quite and the idea of like the jet ski as well I kind of like the idea of the two of them being drawn to one another and Loki being not like this kind of satanic like snake in the garden corrupting force but like this your best friend who gets you to loosen up at the office party kind of thing he seems to have with with Mobius where like you know again big big end game predictions I suspect Mobius is at some point going to have to go rogue he's going to have to understand that the TVA is is not what he thought it was yeah and so I kind of like the idea that they're setting up the idea that he learns to bend the rules and to be a little bit mischievous from Loki. I quite like the idea that it's it's a buddy cop dynamic, which is arguably one of my problems with the show, where I think like the show, like for a show that is dealing with abstract concepts and things that are so new and so exciting and so weird, it's very careful to make sure that it holds the audience's hand and that nothing looks too unfamiliar. So like they literally do seven in this episode. There's a moment where Loki goes to a library to look up like time crimes and they play air on the G string as he like looks over like the journals and the work to figure out who's doing this horrendous stuff. The closing sequence, the closing credits are the opening sequence of like every serial killer movie since seven, where it's just mug shots and paperwork and little kind of like typewriters and coffee stains. Like 
And part of me is like, okay, I get it. Like, cop shows are the most successful shows on American television. But also, as Casey pointed out, like, we've already had a Marvel show that basically did the cop show dynamic. Falcon and Winter Soldier was an 80s buddy action comedy. I, I feel like recycling that dynamic here, you know, maybe undersells the premise a little bit, but maybe that's just me. But yeah, so let's let's talk then about the ending, about the big stuff. Oh, oh sorry. Can Amy. I actually yeah. jump in with something yeah. on that? Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. So one thing you mentioned there is like Owen Wilson's character and, and how he feels like there's this magnetism and something that's drawing him out. One thing that actually really stood out to me was when they were having that discussion and he's talking about what he believes in and he says, no, 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 I don't, I don't believe in anything like that. I don't, I, I believe there just is. There just yeah. is what there is and you have to accept that. But then like the next sentence he says like, he says, well, I believe in this. He uses that exact phrasing. And to me, it really stood out. And I was like, is Loki going to call him on that? Is like, no. And so that to me really did set up, oh, he's absolutely going to go rogue at some point. He is going to need to do what he never thought he needed to do because his role in this had more belief in it than, you know, he kind of initially led on. I, I think it's also an interesting parallel between Loki and and more Mobius, where last week, like Mobius kind of broke down Loki and was like, yeah, but you, this is the lie that you believe about yourself. This is what you believe you are. And this is the role you're playing. And you're actually just as much like a victim of this plot as anybody else. You are not a character who has agency or choice. And I like that here you in the variant, you have that kind of flipped where Loki's like, yeah, you believe in the timekeepers. Why do you do that? Because they made me to believe in them. And how do you know that it's real? And, you know, it's real because I believe that it's real. And actually, yeah, this is this is something I want to throw out to the two of you guys, because I've been thinking about this. Right. So the character uh, played by uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, the Rovana Renslayer, right? Mbatha-Raw mm -hmm. um, is a big actor. Now, I know that, you know, obviously, like she starred in the Cloverfield Paradox and that was not like a well-loved movie, but she's still an actor who like headlines movies that cost a lot of money. And coming out of the first two episodes of Loki, I'm like, what is that actor doing playing a role that where she's had like two scenes at most and doesn't really have any character arc or character definition? I wonder, are we expecting anything down the line in terms of Ravona Renslayer? Because like we haven't talked about her at all and she's positioned in a way that we haven't really, there's nothing to draw attention to her, but she's also an actor that is recognizable in the cast. And I'm wondering... Dude, am I alone in thinking we're getting something? No, no, no. I, I believe that she's going to have a... Matter of fact, the fact that you guys are talking about Owen Wilson... And this episode, I believe, like, very overtly kind of seeds, like you were saying, that Owen Wilson kind of has, double, like, other thoughts about his role there. And, like, he could be tempted to sway uh, it should Loki push the right buttons, etc. I think that's partly why they try to build this sort of rapport between him and Renova. Because she is the closest thing to the timekeepers, and she will probably be staunchly against whatever re rebellion um, Mor Mobius will have. And so it'll be that tension. Like, they want us to understand that he actually cares a lot about Renova. And so when he does actually go against the TVA, that it means a lot that he's made that decision. Because that would also mean going against Renova, who he clearly has a thing for. So I think she'll be, like, the the, the main antagonist 
of his and Loki's rebellion against everything the TVA stands for. And I'm also wondering if some of these other supporting characters will start to choose sides. Like, will we get like a mini civil war within the TVA? Because like, I do think that people are right in thinking that the TVA will be the main antagonist, but these characters are really fun and I would like some of them to come out of the other side and still, and there still be like a new TVA um, that maybe supports the, the multi-universe rather than the sacred timeline. Because one of the things I was thinking, and again, it, it's something that the show kind of has been hinting at, but kind of not committing to, not committing to it. Like, and I mean deliberately, this isn't criticism, but like the uh, the question of the timekeepers and the remove at which the timekeepers operate, where you have this idea of the timekeepers lording over it all and making dictation in the sacred timeline. And by the way, I like that Mobius points out like the end game for the timekeepers is just nothing happening ever. It's the end of stories. They unravel everything, and nothing has any meaning, and everything is just as it is forever. And you can understand why that would be they would be the bad guys in a ongoing multimedia franchise that is 13 years old and will continue going for like at least 13 years more but i do wonder if like we're going to get a reveal along the lines of either the timekeepers don't really exist or they aren't really active or that ravona has corrupted the organization or somebody has corrupted the organization because you have this whole thing where mobius is like uh you know look at your office here why do you have all this crap why do you get to keep all this stuff from all these mm-hmm. missions and it you know mobius himself i think hasn't talked to the timekeepers which is interesting he's he's he said he has never had an audience with them he's never seen them in the flesh but you do get that moment later on where i think it's hunter c12 c20 says like she told the variant or or whoever this mysterious character is at the mm-hmm. end where to find the timekeepers so like do we do we think there's anything there do we think that like is there has to be something with the timekeepers as well right logically well I'm, I'm, yes no go ahead amy sorry, sorry. the delay there <laughs> sorry. um i mean you make a really interesting point that it's like maybe they would never exist in the first place <laughs> um in my head every time you say like time variants are third, like you know the timekeepers. I just hear giant lizards. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the Illuminati, because that Loki describes them like they're the lizard people from V, or like what people think the British royal family are. You know that sort of crazy mm. thing. They're like a conspiracy theory, is kind of what Loki seems to be suggesting. Um, all right then, but okay, fine. Big question: in the episode. Uh, we get to the end. You have that sequence in the Roxon shopping center, and you have the confrontation with a presence that appears to be able to hop from body to body. And then Sofia De Martino shows up playing credited as the variant. Here is a question for you. We had, we've covered this and the big rumor has been that she'd be playing a female version of Loki. Obviously the premise of the show is that Loki is hunting a variant of himself. Um, and the ABC logical straight line conclusion to this is that Sofia De Martino is the female version of Loki as created by like J. Michael Straczynski and Oliver Copil in their Thor, Mighty Thor run from the 2000s. Um, part of me is also like, we're only two episodes in, and the fact that they're being so coy about this, the fact that she refuses to answer to the name Loki, makes me wonder, are we expecting a reveal? Is this a mislead? Is is there a possibility that this isn't Loki at the end of the episode, is what I'm asking. That at. this is some some other entity... Uh, basically using Loki, like they've been using all these other characters. Yeah. 
like, I mean, my, my guess would be based on comic book lore, the Enchantress, because it's all about enchantment. That's that's what they're described as mm. the thing that's leaping mm-hmm. from person to person. The fact that she's blonde as well, when Loki in pretty much all of his incarnations has had dark, greasy hair, including the, the female one. And the fact that, as he points out, I would never treat myself this way, um, <laughs> which is a great line, but which also kind of suggests that, like, maybe she isn't Loki herself. And I do wonder if, like, that's a reveal. Now, I don't know if that means that like i don't i like i wonder if she might be working with the variant like if the variant might turn out to be like richard e grant or whatever or the variant might turn out to be somebody already infiltrating the you know tva to get closer to the i love the idea of there being a parallel loki whose plan is exactly the same as our loki which is to get at the timekeepers because that seems to be the plan towards the end with the bombs but like do are, how, well, how sure are we that this is loki how sure are we that sofia de martino is loki if we had to put a figure well, on it amy well, I'm not sure now after you've said that. I mean, well, that was the big thing that stood out to me, though. I, I, I literally assume in the screen, why is her, like, why is this like his hair blonde? Like, that really sat weird with me. <laughs> I was like, no, that's like, they literally showed us all these incarnations. So that, that theory makes a lot of sense. And we, we I, should I point think out, it could be kind of cool. We should point out, by the way, all the variants look like Tom Hiddleston. All the variants yeah, that they show have Tom Hiddleston's face. That also kind of jumped out to me. But all of all of the ones that they showed in that little hologram were also men, though, right? Like, they didn't show any female versions <laughs> in that one. With Tom Hiddleston's hair as well. I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I I do think, yes, on the surface, like, the, the very end of the first episode, Owen Wilson says, oh, the variant is you. We're chasing you, right? So that already sounds like seeding to misdirect. And then the end of this episode is, hey, it's not just you, but it's a lady you. So, like, that's twice now they've tried to convince us that this is Loki, but a different kind of Loki. So, it's either, I mean, it could go one of two ways, right? Yeah. They could either be trying to build you up to then rip it away by saying, like, convince you this is just another Loki, get used to it. Um, Or they could say, like, no, this is not Loki. This is some other character. And, but... I've I've personally been kind of not a fan of like late show villain reveals. Yeah. Like, tell me what the threat is as early as possible so you yeah. can continue to build, you know, that mm. relationship, that dynamic of what's going back and forth. So I would prefer if this was just a Loki, regardless of kind of how uh she's behaving. So I'd probably be less yeah, less into it if, you know, the next episode or, you know, near the end of the show, we find out that it's some other character that we're only just now learning about. Yeah, that's my kind of big fear going into it is that this reminds me a lot of when we went to WandaVision. And like, again, it's notable that like the solution of WandaVision was like from the start, I was like, it's clearly Agatha. It's clearly Agatha. And like the show is like, no, 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 no. It's it's her. She's the bad guy. She's the bad guy. And that's like, oh, by the way, towards the end of the, the penultimate episode, oh, it's Agatha. It's it's Agatha. It's definitely <laughs> Agatha. So part of me wonders, like, are we being deliberately kind of like misled again? This this thing about releasing them weekly and having the structure of the cliffhangers and the reveals. Mm-hmm. Like, I do. I do wonder if. If like there's a sense of this being designed like WandaVision before to get the internet speculating and kind of like overthinking it. But I I do, I look at the pieces on the board and part of me is saying it feels it feels like I'm not entirely sure that this is female Loki. 
It feels like Ravona has nothing more to do. And it feels like we know that Mobius is going to have to go rogue at some point. So I am kind of waiting for a reveal that Ravona is the villain of the piece. Um, and then where that may be the case. Yeah. Where that leaves like the variant and the idea of Loki as a variant. I don't know. But in terms of the, the ending as well with the bombing of the timelines, which I actually... And again, I'm very curious how the next episode is going to open. But I, I like that mm. as a closing salvo of the second episode of the show, where so much of last week was spent setting up this idea of the, the sacred timeline, the way that things are meant to be, the care with which it is maintained and pruned. And I love the idea that like not at the halfway point, not at the second or third act shift, like at the end of the first act, we are dropping bombs on that concept and literally having it fracture like a crack in time. Um, I kind of like the idea that, you know, maybe we're going to accelerate even further next week, that maybe shit is going to get really real. I kind of like how I like how how fast that seems to happen or seems to go where it's like, we, well, the show yeah. has less episodes than any of the ones that have come before. Right. So they, mm. they kind of don't have a choice. Didn't was Falcon and the Winter Soldier not also six, I thought. No, was that eight. was eight. Okay, all right. Right? <laughs> I'm already, like, lost. I'm already suffering the Berenstein. But are the there. episodes longer? They are so far. They're 54 minutes and they are 50 minutes. So they are longer. It was certainly, last week was the longest premiere episode of eight. No, it was six episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was that eight. That was six, okay. It was eight of division. Apologies for, okay. yeah. So, like, it's it's the same thing. And, like... Again, if we're doing the same structural thing that they did with Falcon the Winter Soldier, where like you have the first two episodes, the first act, second two episodes, the second act, final two episodes are the third act. Like, I like this as a game changing premise where like we spent at this stage an hour and 44 minutes building up the idea of the sacred timeline <laughs> at the for end. Them to just blow it up, end, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, welcome to the multiverse of madness. I would kind of love it if like that was the sequel hook. If that was if like this was the tie into multiverse of madness. And then after this, Loki gets to be its own show. But I, I don't know if we're going to get it. I mean, they they in the first episode, they literally use those words. They say like this, like when in that Miss Minutes video, like they've mentioned the word multiverse. And they say like, oh, if, if all of this goes all haywire, it would just be madness. Right. Like that's literally <laughs> yeah. the title of the Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> yeah. So like, it does seem like this is setting up why Doctor Strange has to deal with that. But like, if if it turns out that what the TVA's mission is is antithetical to what the Marvel Universe wants, then of course Loki is going to be pivotal in in basically causing that to happen. But the fact that it's the supposed variant, like the bad Loki, that's causing that to happen, makes me wonder: Will the Loki that we're following either come to that Loki's side or yeah. absolutely Cause like, right? Because it's like, okay, this is this is the goal that everyone wants right like that owen wilson wants in his heart that loki wants that the bad loki wants so like the fact that it is happening this early is like okay so the rest of the series is them what trying to maintain this bombing because <laughs> like that's that's kind of odd and interesting sorry amy um well no it is it is really interesting and i think that's why i'm so in like why the second episode really invested me in what's to come because it's just like you've bombed the system <laughs> it is not just splitting in one or two ways it is just going haywire and like you've said you know like our big boss judge grabs like her little time stick thingy <laughs> and we don't see where they go. Yeah. 
but you can tell there's this urgency there like oh no um a much more personal attachment to it but with with loki i think like 100 percent he's going to come to that conclusion because the whole first episode like regardless of criticism or anything like that set up this idea that he is not the center of the un- like of his own story he never mm-hmm. has been and even though you know by the end of the like last phase of marvel films and that he came to that conclusion and he became like this person that existed to uplift others i think even though he's seen that and he's upset by what his actions did I think he means to change that. I think the realization there and his his emotion in that first episode comes from a place of wanting to say, how dare you? Yeah. I am my own hero. This is my story and it always will be my story. Um, because, again, the significance in the early MCU of Loki as a character has always been there and it's such a character that people adore and and cling on to. I think every version of Loki finding that place of not peace but of chaos I think matches the character a whole lot better and I, I that's why I just loved that he looked at the door and ran through. There was this moment of hesitation that was, no, this is me and this is my chance to get my story. Do you guys no think that that, that could still be a misdirect though? Cause, uh, cause I was kind of of the mindset, like um, it was either he followed that Loki through there. As a matter of fact, he would need to follow the other Loki through there, whether he was going to join with that plan or betray or whether he was going to need to stop them because otherwise, you know, she gets away. Yeah. Like they're, what are they going to do to to find her again after they've blown the hideout? He would have to chase her even if he was on the TVA side still, or if he was going to you know have some ulterior motive. So I think I, it's still up in the air. I don't necessarily think he will instantly side with this variant, but I absolutely think that was a choice being made to say, no, this is me and this is my story. And if the TVA can't give it to me, I'm going to chase the next option that's going to. If that means I kill them, I kill them. But I feel like, I, I again, I feel like that choice in that exact moment to me lended itself to being a bit more of a dick move. <laughs> and I I would like to see it go in a way. But honestly, I'd be okay if it did just go the, I was really doubling you yeah. the whole time yeah. and, and really I am with the TVA. I'm honestly okay with either of those, but there's definitely one that I think would be more interesting and exciting for me as a viewer, but I'm happy with either. Yeah, I suspect I'm going to split the difference here and I'm going to suggest that like, I, I imagine it playing out that Loki's going to try and change this to and play it to his own advantage. Like you have the moment where he, he definitely thinks the presence is him and he's like, I could certainly use Lieutenant. And by the way, I appreciate that Hiddleston says Lieutenant and keeps his British accent. <laughs> uh, but it's like, yeah, no, even other versions of me are not my equal. They are my inferior. I will tolerate <laughs> them as long as they acknowledge that it's my plan and that I, we're going to execute and I'm going to lead. So I, I honestly, again, I suspect that like, I don't see even a Loki Loki partnership like working out either well for both of them. But I, I do imagine <laughs> that we'll get a scene at least similar to what Amy's proposing where like Mobius will track him down or something and he'll do the, oh, I was clearly setting him up for you. I was just following a lead like a good 
good TSA agent, TVA. Why do I call him TSA? TVA agent. <laughs> different, different bureaucracy. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, and uh, there's the same amount of paperwork. Say, I imagine. All right, then. I think um, so. We're kind of closing up there. But is there anything else we're talking about? Anything we want to say? Anything we haven't mentioned about this episode? Kind of going forward. Anything that we think stands out or merits discussion? I mean, not to, to be honest, like. That's partly why I was a little more down on this one than the first one because yeah, you don't get a ton more yeah more to chew on. Like they just kind of tell you mm. from point A to point B like what's happening. Yeah, and I un- I 100% understand that is what a plot is of a TV <laughs> show, <laughs> but still like it can still be less interesting than the world that they inhabit, and that's kind of the the vibe I got. Like I'm still I'm still in for it like I'm, I'm still a fan and liking what i'm seeing but i i want i guess i just want more tva like that is this show did not need loki like that's kind of where i'm at right now i have a kind of a similar complaint where like there's a lot of and again this is the kind of hand holding explaining itself stuff that i i don't think is strictly necessary i don't think it like i think it should trust the audience more to just go with it like so you have this big moment where loki has this epiphany where it's like okay well if i was me and i needed to hide from the tva what i would do is i would hide inside apocalypses because everybody at those places dies and therefore the timeline resets and anything that i do in there doesn't matter because it's never going to be recorded for history and therefore the timeline can't branch and it's like yeah okay that's that's a high concept but it's like, you know, you go back to, say, like, Doctor Who back in 2005 in, like, The Doctor Dances explains that line with a, explains that with a single line of dialogue where he's like, yeah, Pompeii is great for self-cleaning time cons. You just need to set your watch for, for Volcano Day. And instead of doing something like that, you get both an extended sequence where he explains how it works using, like, culinary utensils. And he explains mm. using, like, props to it to, like, spell out what's happening. But you also then get, like a solid five minute chunk of the episode where they go to Pompeii and prove that what he just said works. Uh, and and it feels like a lot of that is kind of padding and handholding. And it's like, you could explain that in a scene of dialogue or you could show it. You could do one of those two things and it would work. Doing both of them like feels like you're just drawing out or kind of padding for time. It's a lot of the, the complaint that yeah, I had that last week where we were like watching the MCU again. It's like, yeah, if I want to watch the MCU, I will just watch the MCU. But I feel like I'm being a little bit cranky when it comes to that stuff. All right, then. Well, no, I'll I, no, I'll just just to push back on that a little bit. In the, in that, in the first episode, at the very least, them watching that informed yeah, the characters, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Lo- like it explained to Loki what was going on. And that was that was a plot point that needed to be hit at some point. So it did serve a purpose. But you're absolutely right. In the second episode, him explaining and then demonstrating was the exact same plot point. And they, it just ate up a ton of time. It's like show, don't tell. Not show and tell. Um, sorry. I, <laughs> well, I almost see it a bit of a different way because remember that we've been given the information that they have recorded like more episodes than they used in the first place. And yeah. I, <clears throat> to me, it almost feels like that being a moment that was just really nice and funny and... <clears throat> Whilst, yes, it did serve the purpose of showing something that had already been told to us. I hadn't thought about it that way. But to me, it was just a chance to show that Loki is mischievous. To me, it was kind of demonstrating a couple of other things as well. Like it was an opportunity for them to just be fun and to give Loki another moment to say, I'm right. Like just to really draw that point home. So to me, it felt like less about drawing on that one idea and kind of expanding on a couple of others, I guess. 
maybe not as eloquently as it could have, but I thought that was just a really fun scene. All right. Um, so before we wrap up then, I'm going to ask each of you to give one prediction for the, Oh, sorry, Amy. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I do have one other no. thing I want. This is more just, I wanted to ask the collective hive mind Roxon. Now my familiarity with Roxon comes from Marvel's like Spider-Man Mars Morales. And that's where like my understanding and then my research of that kind of concept and where it lives within the MCU comes from. How prevalent is that in the films and that that we've seen today? Because to me, it feels like this constant like rocks on and then the whole thing taking place at like a rocks on supermarket in the future. To me, I find really interesting and really stands out to me. And I don't know if that's something that's been spoken about previously. So I just wanted to throw it out there and ask, because to me, it kind of insinuates something deeper about the multiverse, but that could just be me like running off nothing here. I do believe that Roxxon featured quite heavily in Peggy Carter, I believe. Um, And I do think that it's popped up in some kind of supplemental fan material, but I don't think that it's actually been a part of the main continuity. Um, I don't think it's like, as in, we talk about like the film franchises. Um, Yeah, so I'm just checking here. It's been mentioned in Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2. Uh, It's mentioned in Daredevil, Iron Man 3. It's been mentioned in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Iron Fist, Cloak and Dagger. Um, it was a major plot point in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it, it's largely stayed out okay. of the, the main cinematic continuity outside of a few throwaway references in the Iron Man movies. But it is a, a major part of kind of like Marvel comics continuity. In particular, like if we're talking about Thor comics, it was a huge deal in Jason Aaron's recent run, which is a big touchstone for Thor. And I imagine we will see influencing kind of later Thor movies. Like so, for example, it was Jason Aaron who famously gave uh, Jane Foster the hammer, which is the, the influence that you get for like Love and Thunder where Natalie Portman is going to like be Thor for a little while. So I, I, I'm not surprised to see it kind of creep in here, but it, it is exactly as you described in the Miles Morales thing. They are like the omni-global megacorp. They are the Amazon or the Walmart. They're whenever you need a villain in a Marvel story that is a large faceless corporation. Uh, right. It typically tends to be to be Roxxon. Um, yeah, this just kind of seemed like a shout out to me, like how yeah. in some of the other shows they were like, hey, we're going to take these guys to Madripoor. Uh, yeah, to Madripoor or uh, let's lock these guys up at the raft. Like it's just it's a location that will like ping in like a comic book fan's head. But like it's not okay. super important to the plot. Like that's that's how I read it. But I could be wrong yeah. for sure. Um, it did remind me a bit of um, and again, it's weird that this is such a touchstone, but Ben Wheatley's 2015 version of High Rise starring Tom Hiddleston has a similarly apocalyptic sequence in a shopping center in the middle of the eponymous High Rise. And part of me continues to wonder how much of Loki just derived from them watching this obscure British <laughs> J.G. Balliard movie starring Tom Hiddleston and saying it'd be fun to do that. But this time his hair is greasy and he wears horns sometimes, um, which I did like. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, all right, so I'm gonna, before we go, I'm going to ask you both to pick one uh, big, crazy, out there prediction for the next episode. Um, just take a big swing. I'm ne- I would never ask you guys to do something that I wouldn't do myself, so I'm going to put myself on the line here and prove myself wrong next week, and we can all go, how stupid that was. I'm going to say, yeah, I don't think that the character who appeared at the end of the episode is Loki. I don't think she's Loki. That's my swing. We've been set up to think it, but I don't think it's her. 
I think she'll be the Enchantress, maybe, I guess. Because she's credited in foreign language dubs as Sylvia, which is a name that the Enchantress has, has used. And we talked about how on WandaVision, things like the gendered version of my friend gave away the fact that it wasn't Reed Richard um, who was going mm. to turn up. So I'm going to trust the foreign language section of Netflix on this one. Um, <laughs> so, so Amy, what about yourself? So you're crazy Always. bitch. Always trust the foreign language, always trust the translators, because I know for a fact, having been on that side of things myself, that they will always confirm information like that and use it. So you can always dig out those hints. That's hilarious. Um, Mine, I'm going to be completely wrong because I got no idea where to go with this. I'm going to say the variant dies. And then we hear (laughs) holding out for a hero play again. <laughs> I actually can see Loki killing the variant in the next episode, like just as a swerve. I don't think that's a bad one. KC, what about yourself? What's your crazy swing? Um, my crazy swing is that maybe it's not so crazy, but I think Mor- Mobius will die at some point. You'd like, be whether stoked. It's, yeah, whether it's him <laughs> sacrificing. It's his final word. Wow. Um, it does, he die, be. does he die riding a jet ski? Um, <laughs> but, right. He gets on a jet ski and like crashes into a rock. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know how it'll happen. I don't know if it'll be like him sacrificing himself for, you know, Loki's plan or something like that. But I, I do think he won't make it to the end or to future uh, Marvel Marvel's products properties. Yeah. yeah. Do you see him getting stabbed through the back like Coulson as a nice shout out to Loki's <laughs> murder of Coulson? Another suit wearing. And also the shout out to him stabbing, literally stabbing <laughs> yeah, people in yeah. the back like 50 times. Oh, my God. Is the variant <laughs> going to stab him in the back? Would that be? Oh, yeah. And then Loki's like, oh, so that's how it feels. Oops. <laughs> like, now I have to avenge him. Like yeah. they avenge yeah. Or if he doesn't die, but he needs to stay out of Marvel, I reckon they're going to plop him in a timeline where he just lives on a beach and has a jet ski. That's my alternate. If he doesn't die, he's literally just going to get his own little timeline where he just sits on a beach with a jet ski. So, like, that's, that's it. Avengers 20 finds, like, you know, Anthony Mackie doing Avengers Assemble and through a poor rides Owen Wilson on a jet ski. <laughs> I, I, I'm on board with Man. that. I don't think that we are going to top that. So uh, we're going to sign off now. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. It has been an absolute pleasure. I've been Darren Mooney. I've been Casey Wosu. And I've been Amy Campbell. And we'll be back next week. Until then, true believers, Excelsior.